you're a first or second time guest with us this morning or watching us on Facebook, we're really glad you're here today and watching because we are celebrating our new vision for Light and Life Church today, as well as our new purpose statement, our new mission statement, and our new core values. And I will explain those in a minute, but I hope most of all that you're blessed by being, in, uh, by being with us because we're pretty cool people wearing pretty cool shirts that are for sale in the back. The money's all going to go to something good. We're not trying to make money. We just have to cover our costs. So buy those shirts and the money will go to somewhere, to missions or something. We haven't really decided. And we can order more. Give Pastor Josh, wave your hand so we know who Pastor Josh is. Give him your shirt size and we can order more if we don't have it. There's only a limited amount. So I hope you're blessed by being with us. But what we really hope is that you're blessed by meeting Jesus today. Because if you don't meet Jesus, then we're doing something wrong. For today, I'm going to explain to you what our new PVMV is. Everybody say PVMV. PVMV. It's not the DMV. It's PVMV. Say it again. PVMV. You're going to be hearing it a lot after today. Okay? And, I, and, and you're going to find out today and in the future how the PVMV affects us as a church. And then... After next week, each one of our pastor's cabinet, can I have the pastor's cabinet stand up and just, I want to acknowledge them because they put a lot of work into this. Pastor Josh and Amy and Angel and Richard is uh, standing in for Katie now and he'll probably end up staying on because he causes us a lot of grief. So he makes us think way too deep, deeper than we want. So sit back down. If you're on the leadership team, would you stand? So we have some on the leadership team represented on the pastor's cabinet. Just the leadership team, not ministry leaders not ministry leaders, just the official board, the official board. And so just look around. These are the folks that have been working on this PVMV for about what, seven months now? Six, seven months? You may be seated. Thank you. So don't get confused. Leadership team is the official board. They make all the financial decisions and they basically run the physical aspect of the church. Ministry leaders, that meeting is for anybody in charge of a ministry. You have to be the leader of the ministry, not involved in the ministry, but the leader. You will know who you are. And if you're confused about who you are, just talk to me. I know sometimes the wording gets confusing, um, but we'll help you to make sure. But if you accidentally show up, we're still going to feed you ice cream. We're not going to kick you out. We're not one of those churches. You can't be here because we're going to be talking about you. No, no. So the pastor's cabinet that stood up first, they're going to preach each Sunday in the month of September on our core values that, we, that God spoke to us. And that's going to lead us into September 30th. What's September 30th? Our back to church day. Okay, that's our back, church, back to church Sunday. So many of you know that I was invited this year to participate in a training through the Free Methodist Church called recalibration. Everybody say recalibration. It's a big word, isn't it? I want to explain a little of that process so that there's no confusion and no misunderstanding, and no unanswered questions. The leaders of the church are aware of it, but you may not be aware of what's been going on. But I want you to know, today, know what today's celebration is all about and all the upgrades to our building and the spiritual atmosphere, all the changes that we're trying to make. I think we have to take a look at the word recalibrate before we go any further. But in order to do that, I found out if you Google recalibrate, calibrate comes up. So we have to look at the word calibrate and then just put the word re in front of it. So the, the, the title of this series is the reset series. We just came up with that as a group. So um, we're, this whole series, the month of September is going to be called the reset series. So calibrate. Calibrate means to adjust, to measure, to correct, or to set. So if you put re in front of calibrate, the, def the definition changes just a little bit, but it becomes this, to readjust to remeasure, 
to recorrect or to reset. This is the reason that we've titled the series Reset. It's actually in the definition, which is really cool. We didn't know that until today, leaders. This is really cool. I was really excited in my office to see that. This has been a year of us just readjusting, remeasuring, recorrecting, and resetting what God wants us to do as a church, where God wants us to go as a church, why God wants us to do it, and how God wants us to accomplish it. That's what this year has been all about. The first thing they ask you to do in recalibration is to ask God for a fresh vision. So today, for me, this is the most exciting day in the 12 years that I've been here as the pastor here at Lighten Life Church. It's not because we have a new TV on the back wall. It's not because we built our stage out. It's not because our front entryway is getting remodeled in a few weeks, started this week. It's not even the fact that the brown paneling is finally gone on the back wall. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Andrew Hanna, for that. That's not the reason. Today, this year has been the most exciting for me because God has clearly spoken to me a word of direction for our church. And you may say, well, what have you been doing up to this point? That's a great question. And I'm going to be vulnerable with you. When I came here, when you take over a church, typically you just inherit the vision of the pastor before you. And then I just went about leading and pastoring these crazy people the way I was taught and the way I was trained. And of course, my personality and my gifts, they, they kind of get mixed in there. And I was often seeking God and the Holy Spirit for daily sermons, uh, weekly counseling sessions, and sometimes monthly direction. And this is what I've been saying and feeling for a long time. I felt like all the great things that have happened here were almost by accident. Maybe a better word would be by chance. Okay. Either way, I felt like everything that was happening here was unintentional. It was just me being me and being the leader that I was trained to be. It was happening really without any clear long direction plans. Does that make sense? We were just doing church the way we knew how. Is this making sense? This is just, this, I'm just being vulnerable with you. So I've probably failed you over the last 12 years. But does God fail us? So listen to me. I'm not saying that it was an accident to God. Because if God can use a donkey, well, you know. Why are you laughing? I was thinking of all of us. I wasn't thinking of me. We, we're all, we've all been serving here. What are you laughing at me for? You calling me a donkey? Maddie, you, I'll wire those braces shut. Megan, sorry. Sorry, Maddie. Listen, I'm just saying that up to this point, a lot has happened by chance. But I have news for you today. Not anymore. The reason that today is such a big day for us as a church is because God has given us our marching orders. Today is a tipping point for our church. It's a defining moment where we're going to be able to say, from this day forward, our church is different. I feel like for the first time, we're going to be in every footstep of Jesus from now on. With every decision we make, we want to be in the footsteps of Jesus. So I believe that we're going to look back on this day and year, and we're going to say that's when it all started. And that doesn't mean that the last 12 years was a waste of time, was it, Bobby? When I think of the way Bobby has changed over the last 12 years, it blows my mind. So we didn't waste our time. No way. 
God was working, I believe now, to prepare us for this moment. Listen, there was 18 people when I got here. God had to fix and some really broken people, including myself, for this day to happen. Actually, that brings up a great point that God has been keeping Amy awake almost every night for a couple weeks now. You're going to hear this through all the reset sermons in the month of September. And then Amy's going to bring it home in her message on September 23rd. You're not going to want to miss any of those messages. Do you realize that God will use broken people? Do you, do you realize that? But do you also realize that he doesn't want you to stay broken forever? He doesn't. He wants us to be healed and whole. So I want you to think about it. Do you want your doctor to be educated or uneducated? Do you want someone who's been divorced 15 times giving you marital advice? This reset series is not only about resetting our church, it's about resetting you. So that you can go, you should know this, don't tell them, I know you know Amy because God's been screaming at you for two weeks. So that you can go and reset others. Our church transformed so that you are transformed, so that you, with the help of Holy Spirit, will transform other people's lives. Reset church, reset you, reset your neighbor. That is how communities are transformed. Now, why would a church need to recalibrate or reset? Now, this is what's interesting because it's the same reason that you need to be recalibrated or reset. Number one, it's because they are declining. Number two, it's because they are plateaued. They're just not growing. And number three, it's because they're on the verge of exploding. But they just need a couple things that they need to tweak in order for that to happen. That is where I see our church, and that's why I was invited to recalibration. For us, we just needed to tweak some things to make us better, more intentional, and aligned with God's will for our church. Now, why is all of this important? Why change the vision and purpose of a church? Why change at all? Change, change, change. No, people hate the word change in church, and I don't understand it. I don't get it. But because of something I heard from my coach, Andy Haskins, and, and you've heard this quote before if you've been here and you were here for this series. I don't remember what series it was in, but it was this quote, and, and this is one of the reasons. Because what we believe determines what we value, and what we value determines what we will do. Listen, you can apply that to a church and you can apply it to your own personal life. What you believe determines what you value and what you value determines what you will do. And that's why some of you are in a mess because your value system is immoral. What you value determines what you will do and the decisions you make. One of the things that recalibration is all about is creating a culture of change in a church, that we are always seeking God. We are always seeking God for his direction. And you know, God will change the direction of leaders sometimes and say, you know what, you've been going that way, you accomplished that goal, now it's time to go another way. Right. right? Do you know that? Do you know that from reading the Bible? If you're reading it, are you reading your Bible, by the way? I hope so. Don't pay me to read it for you. And if we need to change and get rid of or start or just tweak a ministry, an event, or the, or the church so that we can be more effective for the kingdom, which should be the reason, right, for creating a culture of change. We want to be more effective for the kingdom of God. 
and we want to be more inviting to the unchurched in our community, and we should then embrace change, not hate it. I want you to think about this. Why should our personal relationship with God be any different than God's relationship with his church? In other words, if our journey with God is always based on constant growth, constant change, and constant transformation, evaluating, learning, tweaking, resetting when our hearts and minds and spirits and souls need it, why would we think that it's okay for the church to just settle for the norm and never change what they are doing? Why would we think that's okay? Twelve years ago at my very first uh, board meeting here, I don't even remember how many were on the board, it was, we were such a little group. I said, I have one rule for this board now that I've been set in place and I can actually make up rules. I have one rule. Don't ever say to me that we can't do it that way because we've never done it that way before. Don't ever say that to me because I will rebel against that statement. And if you tell me we can't do it because we've never done it before, guess who's going to do it? (laughs) That's a bad statement. That's not a growth statement. That's a fear statement. What is the word that the Bible uses for change? Does anybody know? I know you're scared to yell out answers, but don't be afraid of being wrong. We're family. Repent. It's repent. Repent means to turn from, to change one's mind, to return. In the King James Version, Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore, Jerry loves this version, and be ye converted. What does it mean to be converted? It means to cause to change in form, character, or function. So you see how God wants this for our personal life? Why then should we want it for our church? For better things, for more effectiveness for his kingdom. In the NIV it says this, Repent then and turn, which means change, return to God. Repent and turn so that your sins may be wiped out. Here's the great part about recalibration and resetting and change so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This passage is so huge for us as believers. When you repent, you will be changed. And when you are changed, you are refreshed by the Lord. But isn't it interesting that we understand this and we get this for our personal lives, but what about in the life of a church? Isn't it also true? In your notes, first thing I want you to fill in. When a church embraces consistent change, they will experience a consistent refreshing by the Lord. When a church embraces consistent change, they will experience a consistent refreshing by the Lord. Now, we want that change to be from God, not from Mark Lutcher, right? Okay? Now, I can change the color of a paint. I don't have to ask the Lord about that. But when it comes to a vision and a mission statement and what we're doing as a church, that's big. I want those orders to come from God. I'm not saying you can't pray about paint. You can, but I probably won't. Also in your notes, progress is impossible without change. Progress is impossible without change. So this journey that your leaders have been working hard on all year is all about refusing to be limited by the past because God has called us to create the future. Let me repeat that. We here will not be limited by our past because God has called us to create a new future now. The idea of the PVMV, everybody say PVMV. 
Did you remember? Did you get it right? Some of you said five letters there. It's only four. Don't add one. PVMV. The idea of it is to release our church into bigger and better things for the kingdom of God. Not to hold us back from it. Listen to the, uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43 here, verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Can you see it? When I start revealing these new statements in a minute, I want you to start visualizing the future and what God could do with these things that God has spoken to us. So the, so the definition, and it's the title of the message today, the definition of vision that Recalibrate uses is painting a picture of the future. And that's what I want to do today. When I read that passage in Isaiah 43, this is what I see. Everybody look at it. And I want you to visualize this. Change is good. Growth is good. If you're holding on to small church here, you may not fit here. Because honestly, as I was opening and praying, the Lord spoke to me, are you ready for a new building within a year? It could happen. Now, I'm not saying he was saying it was going to happen. I'm saying he was asking me as I was praying for this big thing. Mark, is your faith big enough that in one year with all these improvements, you'll have to put it aside and go start improving another building? Uh, you know what I told him? I did. I didn't say, well, where's the money going to come from? Where are the people going to come from? We've been missing half the people all summer. How can we go to a new building when everybody's been gone? That's what the old Mark Larcher used to say until my inner healing. Today is a sign that we are changing and doing something to make us better. Remember what I said in one of my sermons? I said, I'm done doing accidental church. I'm finished being an unplanned body of Christ. I'm frustrated expecting the unexpected to happen, and I don't want to serve next to haphazard believers anymore. With a clear PV, see, now I'm getting it wrong, because somebody added a fifth letter. I'm telling you, I heard it. PB or something. You're thinking about peanut butter and jelly. PVMV, with a clear PVMV, everyone will know what our church is all about, and the vision will determine who's going to take this journey with us. So let me get to what God has clearly spoken to me so we can get back to some food and if there's any left. And so we're going to celebrate with a song at the end. This is what your leaders in this church have been working very hard at seeking God for. It's our heavenly marching orders. It's called our PVMV. So I'm going to explain that. I left a space for you to write the wording of these new statements in because I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag. But the first one is our new purpose statement. Purpose is our why. Purpose is our reason for existence. And here's our new purpose statement for Light and Life Church. It's expanding the kingdom of God by developing and equipping faithful followers of Christ. That's our new purpose. Now, here's the interesting thing about the purpose statement. Our purpose as the church has already been given to us by God. We did not have to come up with this, really. We just had to put it in words that we, we liked, okay? But... Our purpose is the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the part people forget. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you to do. Are you doing that with your coworkers and your neighbors and your family? Our purpose is also the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, come on, you know it. Love the Lord. Do I have to put it on the screen for you to quote it? Come on. Your God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, basically. Those are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our purpose boils down to why do we exist as a church? As a church and even as a human, why do you exist? And here's the danger in not knowing your purpose as a church or a human. Here's the danger. You can put your name in there. When, when Amy forgets her why, she loses her wonder. When a church forgets their why, they lose their wonder. Why would anybody want to go to a church that, don't, that doesn't understand why they exist? It's dead. It's boring. There's no life. It's just Sunday after Sunday of just going to church and attending church and not being the church. When we lose our passion for the lost, we've lost our why. Can I tell you about one of the major shifts that we are making as a church that I hope does not offend you? But most of the people in the church are not our problem. They already belong to God. They are already children of God. In your notes, we need to have a passion for the lost, not the found. So we are trying to create ways where we can actually... Pastor Josh is the head of our evangelism system now. And you're going to be hearing more from him about that. We are going to be more intentional about evangelizing our community. And we don't have time necessarily to... I'm not saying we don't have time for you. Please understand something. You need to get your stuff fixed with God because there are people dying and going to hell. So we need to go to God, seek God for our issues, get them fixed so you can join us healthy and whole and have a greater impact on our community. Nobody said perfect. Did I say perfect? I didn't say perfect. I just said get out of sin. That's what I basically said. Get out of sin. Just stop it. Start saying no to it. I'm going to move on because the purpose of the church is not debatable. God has given every church their purpose, their why, their reason for opening their doors every Sunday. The lost, that's one reason. The broken, that's another reason. The unchurched, that's another reason. And every guest that comes to this place. And every person that needs to be reset. The next piece of our PVMV is our vision. This is the piece that uh, your leaders fasted and prayed for me as I sought God for this fresh word. When God gives the pastor a vision, he is painting a picture of the future for the church. And this is the piece that I'm most excited about. This is the piece where we are going. And then the mission is what we are going to do to get there, and the values are how we're going to, uh, how we're going to get there. The vision is where. The vision is our destination. And here's our new vision statement. To be a place where people find hope, healing, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to be able to memorize two statements, the vision statement and the, and the, and the, and the uh, mission statement. And the mission statement is easy because we put it on the shirt. So you should be able to memorize these two. If people say, what's your vision statement in your church? It's real quick, to be a place where people find hope, healing, and purpose in Jesus Christ. 
These are our marching orders. And so some of it we're doing, but there's a lot in that statement that we're not doing yet. And it's going to stretch us. And that's good because that's what a vision statement's supposed to do. Proverbs 29 and 18 in the King James Version says, and I know you know this, some of you, where there is no vision, the people perish. This new vision is the first vision that God clearly spoken, uh, spoke clearly to me as your pastor. And this vision is going to call us out upon the waters. You know the song? As a church. A vision is supposed to take you somewhere that you are not currently at. A vision is supposed to be bigger than ourselves. It demands faith. It calls for obedience. And in the mystery of what we must do and how we're going to accomplish it, that's where we're going to find God. In the things that we don't know how we're going to do to get there, that's where we're going to find God. Not in the shallow, safe waters of the past. Not in the safe, shallow waters of what we've always done. But in the deep, deep ocean of what we have not done or seen yet. That's where we're going. So I hope you can swim. And deep, deep waters don't scare your faith. I'm going to be challenged in this. I'm telling you, Angel, oh man, she pictures these huge buildings and Richard has already designed it. And I'm like, whoa, slow down, guys. I mean, our giving will have to quadruple. And they're like, oh, pastor, ye of little faith. So God's still working on me. I think that's why God asked me that question this morning while I was praying. He's still working on my faith. But I think I can see it now. To be a place where people find hope, healing, and purpose. How many people can at least name five people right now that need that? We have a lot of people that we know. Think about the people you don't know in our community that need this. Think about the kids that woke up this morning with no food because their, their parents spent it on meth. Think about the kids who went to bed last night with bleeding skin because they were abused. There's people in this community that need hope, healing, and purpose. Here's the most powerful thing that happened to me in this recalibration process. This was my awakening moment when it came to the vision statement for me as your pastor. And it came in a quote in, my, in Miami when we went down there, or Tampa. A lot of churches, in your notes, have a building-size vision, but not a community-size vision. And I, I'm telling you, for 12 years, we've had a building-size vision. That's not your fault. That's my fault. But we have a community-size vision now. It's way bigger than me. And the quote from one of the books that really shook me was this one. I'm going to paraphrase. But if your church closed its doors tomorrow, would the community even notice? Would they miss your church? You know what I think when I read that right now? Maybe, maybe not. And that's not good enough for me. I want more. I want to know that we are having such a huge impact in our community that if this church were to close its doors, that tears would be shed. And the community would say, what, what, what are we going to do now with Light and Life Church gone? I, I can tell you they're not going to say that now. They're going to go, Light and Life, where was that at? I believe that what we've been toiling at and planting and fertilizing for 12 years is all about this moment right here. We are not forgetting about the past. I mean, how could I preach this message without thinking of Shirley's parents who built this place? We are not forgetting about the past. We are adding to it. It's just now, I think this is going to be a season of picking the fruit from my ministry since I've been here. Hallelujah. It's time to pick 
the fruit. In your notes, vision moves you to action. So I want to ask you right now, forget about the church for a moment. Do you have a vision for your life? If you don't, that's probably why your life seems boring and unintentional and uneventful. If your life seems uneventful, it's probably because you don't have a goal. I know, I know I've seen a difference in Tara's face since she signed up for nursing school. She's on a mission now. She knows now that she can't rely on other people to take care of her, so she's going to take care of herself for now, and then we're going to believe for God to send her an incredible, godly, a God-chasing husband, right? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, where are all the single ladies? Raise your hand. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. So I refuse to be a church that has no vision, or like most churches, like we've been for the last 12 years, we've had a vision on paper, but we were not living it out. So here's the problem in your notes. When a, church, when a church doesn't know where they are going, they're lost. When a church has no vision, they're lost. I have news for you. Light and Life Church, they know where they are going. We do. We know where we're going. But here, you've got to hear me this morning. If anything stirs you up, you have to understand. It's going to take all of us serving and using our talents, praying and fasting for more of God, giving and sacrificing your time, your talents, and your finances to bring hope, healing, and purpose to broken people and people that need to be reset. It's going to take you getting involved into the life of this church, everyone serving every Sunday for us to accomplish this. My recalibration coach, Andy Haskins, he quoted something that just blew me away about a vision statement, and watch this. Once we have our vision statement from God, we need to understand that it's not only a vision on paper. We now have our to-do list. We now have our prayer list. Isn't that an amazing quote? You see in your notes, the vision determines who will take the journey with us. When a church knows their vision, listen to me, you have to understand this. When a church knows their vision, they can say no to people and to things without the fear of losing people or programs. It stops people also from hijacking our church. When we know where we're going and somebody wants to change it, we go, sorry, that's not where we're going. I'm sorry, you, you might want to go to another church. That's just not where we're going. That's not what God spoke to us. And if we're disobedient, how are we going to have the favor of God on us? We can't allow you to hijack the church. Wow. That kind of strength comes from knowing that we've heard from God. Mission. Our mission statement. Mission is what? Mission is what? Mission is our objective, our target, and our goal. And here's our new mission statement. You can read it on my shirt or read it on the screen. Everybody say it. That's it. Pretty soon we're going to have banners down the side of the church. Hopefully in two weeks. Experiencing God, loving others, living to serve. So if you can't remember the vision statement, remember the mission. It's pretty easy. It's simple. This is what we are going to do and train and teach and to reach and fulfill our vision. This is what we're going to do. This is our goal. We want everyone who comes to this church or anyone who comes into contact with somebody from this church 
to experience God, to learn to love others, and live to serve other people. So that means you're going to have to show them by example how to love and how to serve. And I think if you do those things, they're going to experience God. Everything we do as a church from now on, every ministry in this church from now on, every person who joins the church from now on will be on a mission with us to experience God, love others, and live to serve. That's going to stretch some of you that have been warming a chair in a pew for 8 to 12 years since I've been here, and you have not served in any way. We're going to move you to serve more. We can't force you to do anything, but we're going to strongly, I like these words, we're going to strongly encourage you to get involved, especially if you've been sitting there for five years and just doing church. We want you to make a difference in the kingdom of God instead of just doing church. We're supposed to be the church. That's an action word. So I want you to just pause for a moment. I want you to think about the opportunities on the back of your connection card. And I want you to ask God, in what area could you serve right now if you're not serving in any area? See, one of my goals is this. I don't care if you're the youth leader. I don't care if you're the children's church worker on Tuesday night. I want you to sign up for something that's happening on Sunday morning. How difficult is it, is, is it to hand somebody a bulletin and say good morning? I mean, if that exhausts you on Tuesday night from youth ministry, then you may need to go see your doctor and get a vitamin pill. You can serve on Sunday. You can say hello to people. You can ask them when they, when they come in, if you'd like to, like that, would you like me to find you a seat? And if not, would you like your kids to have a crayon and some coloring? We're, things are going to be changing. We're going to offer the children that stay in our service crayons and coloring paper. We're going to try to be warm and welcome to our guests. There's a lot happening. Be praying for Jen Militex and Diane Sater. Where are you? Raise your hands right near the back. They're heading our assimilation system. That's everything that our guests experience from the time they step out of their doors is the assimilation team. And the evangelism team is going to be mixed in there some. And they're working on a ton of stuff I don't want to tell you because I want you to show up every week and see the change. Change, change, change. There's a lot happening. And your leaders are working hard and you want to join that. It's huge. It's way bigger than you. I hope you want to be part of something that's way bigger than yourself. I just want you to think about those things on the card, and I want you to make a sacrificial commitment to serve the church that some of you say you love, but you're not serving. Here's the problem with uh, mission in your notes. When a church can't figure out what it is that they must do they don't have purpose. Now remember, you can apply this to your own life. When Jared can't figure out what it is that he must do, then he doesn't have a purpose. And then you end up just working and making money and paying bills and backing your car into things brand new and fixing it and then backing something else into it or hitting a deer. And, and then you just get all riled up like, you know, you, you bump somebody's car in the parking lot and it, you just lose your mind and when you, when you have purpose, when you have purpose, you don't lose control of your emotions because you know where you're heading. And sometimes there's just bumps in the road. I want to be a purpose-driven church. I hope you want your pastor to want that. I want a church that is intentional about everything God has told them to do and where he has told us to go. I'm done doing accidental and I'm done doing by chance. Now, I'm going to read through the core values. 
because Pastor Josh, Angel, and Amy are going to preach on them throughout the month of September leading up to our Back to Church Day. Here's our values. We're just going to read through them real quick. Stay with me. This is, this is amazing. This group, we went to a cabin for two days, two and a half days. We argued. We had to stop and pause because some of us were about to punch each other. Not really, but it felt like that. It was tense. They hammered the wording of who we are as a church and what we value because remember the statement, what you value determines what you will do. And I, I, I honestly, one time at the, at the, I think it was when Angel and I were kind of going at each other a little bit, and Katie said, we need a break. We got to save this marriage. I started crying, and they thought I was upset because Katie yelled at me, but I said, no. I, when we look back on this day, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. Even though it's real heated right now because everybody wants their words to be in here, this is beautiful. Watch the words of this. Values are how we're going to get where we're going. It's also our boundary. So if somebody wants to start a quilting club, if it doesn't fit into our values, we say, sorry, no. It doesn't fit where we're going. Now, you can spiritualize anything, and I'm sure they can spiritualize a quilting club, and we could do that. But it's going to be really hard sometimes, and I'm not against quilting, by the way, so please don't read into that. I'm just, that was just a hypothetical situation or thing that I was bringing up. Now, you're not going to be able to write all the wording, so what I want you to do if you're going to fill in the notes is just write in the title. Don't write in all the words. So we value, the first one is God's presence. So you can just write in God's presence because we already have value up there. So we value God's presence. Intentionally creating an intimate atmosphere where God's love brings wholeness and freedom. Surrendering our hearts, minds, and souls to express our love for God through extravagant worship and watch this, creative expression. You can dance here. Some of you will never dance and that's okay, but you have the liberty to clap. I would love more clappers and dancers and prophesying and all the gifts. Purposely praying with a never-ending desire to hear God's voice and seek His face for all people, all nations, all the time. Isn't this beautiful? This is, this is what your pastor's cabinet wrote. I, very few of my words are in here. All I did was chop them down and make them less wordy because that was my role to just make everybody mad. The second one is we value biblical truth, giving priority to the living, breathing word of God that shapes the way we live holy lives. You know holiness is really big to me. It's really big to the Free Methodist Church, so I wanted that in there. I got some words in there. Being led by biblical truth, we are transformed and find our identity as sons and daughters of God when we consistently demonstrate our faith and obedience. We value connection. Intentionally connecting individuals and families through relationships. Utilizing the strengths of every generation to extend God's love unconditionally to all people. Transcending cultural and denominational divides. Promoting a community that does life together as groups, not as individuals. We value multiplication. Developing world changers to fulfill the Great Commission. By the way, that world changers, you have to understand something. A word was spoken over our church that we are going to be ascending church. There are going to be people that are going to come in here, they're going to be trained, and they're going to leave. Katie's in Panama right now, just got home from Russia, darn it, she really upsets me when she does this, comes home for two weeks and then leaves again, right Leanne? It's frustrating, because I want her here, I want her for myself, but we have been called to be a sending church. That doesn't mean all of you get to go, you stay here, Tommy, stay. Developing world changers to fulfill the Great Commission by stirring up a passion for the lost. 
making disciples who intentionally make disciples that are trained and equipped to transform communities and the nations. And then the last one, we value transformation. As a body, intentionally embracing flexibility. There's the culture of change. As we partner with the activity of God and as we submit to the process of transformation in our personal walk with Jesus Christ. There's the culture of change for, the, for you personally and the culture of change for us as a church. This is how we will arrive at our destination. Our purpose and vision. In your notes, core values drive the church. They help the church determine what they will do and what they will not do and what they should do and shouldn't do. Remember, the values are our boundaries. They keep us on course. In your notes, the principle is this. We will do what we value as a church. No more haphazard ministries. No more just saying yes to everybody. Man, when somebody came up to me 10 years ago and said, can I start this? I'd be like, yeah, we need to start something. But it was never with a core value in mind. Values communicate what is important. They help us to embrace good change. They inspire people to action. So what did we say earlier? What we value determines what we will do. Here's the problem in your notes. When a church ignores how they are going to get there, it breeds chaos. So we need these things. We need the P, we need the V, we need the M, and we need the V. Or we're going to have chaos. So let me say this in closing, and then we can continue our celebration, either uh, eating food or just worshiping. I don't want you to just rush home. I want you to talk about this with each other and celebrate with each other. We're finally going somewhere. Pastor Mark finally knows what he's doing. Now he finally knows why we're paying him. I, however you want to say it. Don't, don't bash your pastor, but support me. I have scripture for that, by the way, if you want me to quote it to you. Here's the final, the biggest statement that I want you to get from all of this PVMV. In your notes, the, PV, the PVMV becomes the filter in which we decide what we will do and not do. And it's also the filter on who we hire and who we allow to be a leader in the church. If they don't believe in our PVMV, why would I want them teaching our children downstairs? We're going to make sure that everybody... So, so think of a church like this. Has anybody ever rode a city bus where you get to yank the chain when you're at your stop? You yank the chain, lights all the way around the bus, especially up front, says, stop! We're going to allow people to yank the chain and just say, you know what, I, I don't like where you're going. Why would we want them to go with us? They're just going to cause division. So if they pull the chain, we're going to pull, pull the bus over. We're going to bless them and pray for them to find a church where they fit. We're not going to curse them. We're not going to excommunicate them just because they don't like where we're going. We're going to act like Christians when they leave. And when we bump into them in the grocery store, we're not going to avoid them. We're going to love on them. Right? Are you with me? We don't want people or things to distract us from where God has clearly spoken that we are to go and how we're to get there. So what we believe determines what we value. What we value determines what we will do. So before I close, I'm just going to test you. What's the vision statement? Anybody want to stand? Just one person stand and give me the vision statement without cheating. No, you're all looking. You can't do that. This was by memory. So if you looked at your notes, you can't do it. I'll help you to be a place... You weren't supposed to say it. To be a place where people find hope, healing, and purpose in Jesus Christ. 
What's our mission statement? Three, three lines. All right. Experiencing God, loving others, living to serve. There's your homework. Memorize it. I hope this excites you. I hope this stirs up a new passion for our church and our community. But what I really hope, and this is what I hope. Listen, don't, don't get lost. You're not filling out your connection cards because I haven't told you to even take them out yet. What I really hope is that this just didn't make you emotional about where our church is going. But what I hope is that it made you determine to get involved in the life of this church, something bigger than yourself. And that leads us to the connection cards because Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you must be a servant. I don't care how great you think you are. That's even more proof that you should be serving. Listen closely. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, this is a huge statement. When I was growing up, the way that you made connections in a church was inviting someone over to your house. Can I say that that does not work today? It's not happening. Some of you are good at it, but it just doesn't happen. We have isolated ourselves. We're a nation of isolation. So you know what they say now gets you connected to people? Serving on a ministry team in a church. That's the quickest and the best way that you make connections with people. I don't know. Can Diane and and Jen say they've really gotten to know each other since they started meeting and figuring out the assimilation team. That's how you make connection. Andrew and I made a connection this week. So I want Andrew to come before I go over the connection card, and I just want him to share uh, his love for this church and what he experienced this week by, by being my slave for six days. We were joking about it, so go to that microphone. ¿Cómo estás? Me llamo Andrew Hanna. Um, this week I had the chance and the opportunity to come and help at the church here. And I jumped into it. I didn't care what particular Pastor Mark had me doing. I was up for anything. Um, what he had said, and it's funny when you're in there and you feel like the sermon's directed straight at you the whole time. But it, it all hit home, and back in Jan, uh, probably December, I started feeling I, I needed something. I needed something in my life. I knew I had to go back to church, and God challenged me and said, February's the start of the new year for you, so in February, you have to come back to church. So I said, okay, and of course, you don't want to, and I'm like, all right, but if you come back sooner. So I came back the week before February, and I've been coming back ever since and growing in my faith, and it says, Pastor Mark said some things, do you have a vision for your life? Well, I wanted one. I did. And I felt that God was speaking to me. Well, he also said, if you want the drive, you have to chase it. He provides you all the drive you need, but you have to pursue it. And he gave me my heavenly marching orders, as Pastor Mark was saying. And I never had a good family life when I was growing up at all. And I feel like this is my family. And I long for that. And I, I feel like I have a place here. And I finally have a family. And I just wanted to share that. When I was serving this week, I felt pride. I felt uh, acceptance. 
I didn't feel any judgment. Um, I just felt love. And thank you. Um, it, it was funny because he came in Friday and started clearing the rocks out from up, out front where we ripped the bushes up. And uh, he felt really bad that he couldn't finish it. I said, don't worry, I'll send a text out and see if people will come in Saturday. If they don't, it doesn't get done. Uh, I'll finish it next week. And he actually canceled his appointment to come in because I think he had so much pride in what he was doing that he wanted to see the project through. That, listen, listen, I, I, I get busyness. I get it. But I think it's something the enemy uses so that you don't serve the church. You prioritize. You're you the one that makes your schedule. No one else should be making your schedule. You should be making it. I get the boss thing. Don't go there. But don't get fired because of what I just said. But you know what I mean. Even bosses sometimes won't, won't be happy unless you're working seven days a week. And sometimes you just have to say, no, church is more important to me. And I will be there Saturday. And I will be there Sunday. So the way that people are making connections in the church today is by serving on a team. Serving together. So we're just encouraging you to serve the church. We're not, we're not encouraging you to serve the church to work for us. We are trying to get you to understand that you need to be part of something bigger than yourself. And when you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself, something bigger always happens. You make friends, serving together. Let's take out our connection cards. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're visiting for the first or second time, or, and you, you just got inspired today about being part of a family or something bigger than yourself, and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Please don't check this first box unless you've never said the prayer before. And you just say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want to start a new life with you. And I know now in a group of crazy, imperfect people that I can do this. And just start by trusting him with your life. Check that box so that we can get you something. Maybe you're here and you just walked away from the Lord. You used to serve him. You used to go to church. You used to trust him with your life. And you just stopped somewhere along the way. You hit a bump and it caused you to lose faith in God. You don't have to say the sinner's prayer. You just say, Father, forgive me for allowing that little bump in my life to take me away from you. And I'm going to renew my relationship with you today. Check box number two. Now I want to talk to Christians who, are, who have been stuck for a while. Maybe just not serving, not doing anything with your life, not having any purpose or vision. I want to challenge you that if you check the third box to check a box down below in a ministry area, to get reconnected to the people in my church by serving on a ministry team. We're going to hand those off to the leaders. The leaders will be contacting you. We're going to do a lot better with this, by the way. We're getting more intentional about this. And then maybe the last box, for those of you that have been serving Jesus for a while, a long time, and you're in a good place with Him. But you know what? When Josh, Pastor Josh and I went to a conference, we heard a, a principle, a rule, and it's called the 5% more rule. So maybe you can just ask God how you could give 5% more of your time, talents, or finances to your local church. Or your time and talent. Let's just focus on that. How you could give more of your time and talent to the church. Just 5% more from your week. How you could do that. And I have a feeling if you check that box, you're probably going to have to go down below. If you're not currently serving on anything for Sunday or during the week, check a box. Get involved. I guarantee you, you're going to make friends. Because we're going to start forming teams and there's going to be team meetings and you're going to have some fun. 
It's going to be fun serving. I wish I could tell you what was going on. I'm so antsy to tell you what's going on. But I just want you to be surprised. So listen, before we go. So we painted one light silver. We're, we're not like hung on that color because there is a lot of gray in the room. But I love it. But somebody joked around and said, what are we going to do? Go with blue chairs so it's the Dallas Cowboys in here? We're not going with blue chairs. This is not a Dallas Cowboys thing, okay? Maybe I will order blue chairs. Okay, we're just trying to make this a more warm and welcoming place for our guests. And we need you to be here early to welcome them and love on them and encourage them. Let's show them how church is done well. And I can't do that myself. Let's stand. Worship team, come. We're going to celebrate with a song. As soon as the song starts, you don't have to sing it with us. We're just celebrating this song. You can go back, start eating more. But I want to I challenge you every Sunday, not just the three-minute rule, which you're going to practice as soon as the music starts or after it's over, where you go around and talk to someone that you do not know for the first three minutes of the, after the amen, but that you hang around for a while every Sunday and just love on each other. Somebody here may be deciding to end their life this week if no one talks to them. Yeah, so... Don't walk away from this message thinking, oh, they're, they're, all their focus is the people that aren't coming to our church. Listen, we're family. You should feel comfortable to come to us and say, I'm hurting. I need, I need help. I'm broken. I, I need fixed. I need hold and I need to be made whole and I need to be healed so that we can get you whole and healed and get back out and welcome our guests and go out and get the dying right? So it's not that our focus isn't on each other. When you join a ministry that's going places, we are going together. So it's not that we're just ignoring you. We want a healthy family that's going after a broken world. That's all. Father, we just ask that you would once again just anoint this new PVMV for Light and Life Church. Lord, I hope not only does this stir up a passion in, in the people that are members here and that are attending here regularly for this church and for this community, but Father, I hope that it drives people to finally Get involved in a ministry, something that's going on in the life of this church instead of just attending because it's going to take all of us actively serving the church, the body of Christ because the Bible's very clear. When one piece is missing, you can say, well, I'm there on Sunday, but you're not serving. You're not actively helping the body function. When one piece is missing, the rest of the body suffers. Ask Pastor Josh. Fell down some steps and he knows now without a good leg, it's kind of hard to get around. This is the way we felt about you. We don't want you to feel guilty for being gone all summer. We really genuinely missed you because when you weren't here, we felt the impact of it. We need to be consistent and faithful in giving of our time, talents, and possessions. In the name of Jesus, anoint, Father, this new vision and this new mission of this church. Father, take us to scary waters where we have to trust in you where we have to have faith. Lord, I hope and I, and I pray that You will make us a part of something that's way bigger than us. To be a place where people find hope and healing and purpose in Jesus Christ. Where people will experience God, learn to love others, and learn to live to serve. In Jesus' name, amen.
Shift it. 